answer has come back again Feels like the season won't end My faith is tired tonight And I won't try to pretend I've got it all figured out That I don't have any doubts I've got a busted heart I need you Good morning, Journey Church. And it is a good morning. Who got rained on this morning? I guess there was flooding out in Big Bear Lake. Like, really raining hard. Or at least raining hard. Yep, yep. Thank you, Jesus, for rain. We need a little bit of rain of the Spirit this morning. Anyone? Amen. We had a 
great opportunity last night to go down and join 12,000 people in worship at Fish Fest. It was awesome. It was, you know, one of the first big events, I think, here in Southern California. I think it was 12,000 people there worshiping Jesus. And uh, it was powerful. Chris Tomlin and Phil Wickham and some other just good, really good worshipers, worship bands. And it was just a very sweet time. So it was good for me. And I'm feeling refreshed. And uh, we need that. We need a refreshing of the, of the Spirit of God. Amen. So let's ask for it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are, for you are so good. God, um, we need a touch, a fresh touch from you. We need a fresh wind. God, we uh, need to come this morning and, and experience you. We need to meet with you, Father, and not just uh, hear about you um, or think about you, but we need to have a personal encounter, so we invite you right now. And Lord, we know that physically, God, you are here in, the, in our midst, but God, sometimes when you're though you're always right here, we miss you. God, I don't want to miss you this morning. I don't want anyone to miss you. Just pray that you would um, just come, meet with us individually, personally. Lord, as we sing songs to you, as we worship you, talk of your goodness to you, Father, I thank you that you will also speak to us. Thank you, Jesus.
here on this earth. Dads that were good and taught us. And then there's those of us whose dads weren't so hot. They missed a lot of opportunities to do the right thing, to care for us, to teach us, to encourage us. The one thing we have in common is that we all have a good, good father. One who knows us, loves us, cares for us, encourages us, wants us to do well, to be blessed. One that always has our best interest at heart. One who laid down his life for us. He is a good, good father.
so that whoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. He's brought us into relationship with him. Oh, he loves us.
your creation. God, I pray that you would change our hearts and change our eyes to see your beauty. God, change us to see your beauty in not just creation, which we see, but God, even in the creation of human beings that we get so angry with or get so fearful of or God help us to see your beauty help us to see everyone with your heart a heart of compassion and a heart of love God change us to be a people who pray who look to you more, who has hope. God causes the people to hang on to the word of God that even says that we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Thank you, Jesus. You are beautiful. Help us to fix our eyes upon you upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're beautiful. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I saw Golgotha, I saw the cross, I saw the sky above, and I saw Jesus on that cross. He reminded me of his pain, the physical pain that he endured for me and for each of you. 
He didn't have a choice. Yes, he could have told Father God, you know, I don't want to do this. But he said, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. If not, essentially, I go willingly to the cross. But I saw that physical pain, and as much pain as I was in, it was nothing compared to the physical pain that he endured. And sometimes we have head knowledge of that pain, but when he let me see the physical pain, and it wasn't just for me, it was for everyone. And knowing that he had done that so willingly, I was able to get through that test. But I want you to know, he's there. All you have to do is say the name when there's nothing else you can say, when you cannot find the words to say. My brother-in-law that everyone's been praying for passed this week. My sister said many nights. Now, my brother-in-law was an avid reader. They did their devotions in the morning. But at night, he would go to bed, and the last thing he did was read. And then he would turn out the light. And my sister said, so many nights when I would go to bed, I would hear him say, Jesus, Jesus. And I can tell you, there is something about that name. That is a name that overcomes every obstacle that you are facing in your life. And I can tell you, whatever you've been through, he's been through. And he is there with you. You know, the, the, the serenity prayer, Lord, grant me the... the courage or whatever and you see the footprints and there are two sets and then suddenly there's one and you know you're being carried because you have said the name of Jesus never forget his name just want to make a short announcement uh, for the men. We're having a men's retreat September 20th through the 23rd, and it's going to be in Bryanhead, Utah, and the theme of it is just fellowship with Christ, and we're going to be studying John 14 through 17. Uh, we're also going to be fishing in Panguitch Lake, where we have caught a lot of fish, and we're going to catch a lot of fish this year. We only have 10 beds, so if you want to go you need to um, see me and tell me, and it'll be $300 for four days, okay? And uh, it is going to be a great time, so you men should come. Um, if you're in junior high or high school, they are going to be meeting in the cafe, so if you want to head back that way. Also, if you're joining us for the first time, we're so excited to have you here at the Journey Church. We would love to get connected with you. One way you can do that is by filling out the connection cards that you'll find in the pockets of the seats, and then you can put that in the tithe and offering boxes in the back. Um, I have a quick video that I want to show you guys, so check it out. Excuse me? skip it today. Okay. 
So they showed this video last night. We went to Fish Fest with some of our uh, high school leaders, and I just thought it was super impactful. Now, of course, the video talks about giving to children, and you know, we sponsor a child at um, Illuminate Youth Group through Compassion International, and if you want information on that, it's an amazing program that you can give back to to feed a child for only $38 a month. And I mean, if you think about it, like it, that's really one meal that you have to skip. And I thought it was also a good picture for us as we're giving into the kingdom of God. What is one thing that you can skip for the month to make sure that you're being obedient to what God calls us, calls us to do in tithing and giving back the 10% that he has already given to you? Maybe it's getting your nails done or <laughs> maybe it's skipping a meal, whatever that looks like for you. But we want to be faithful stewards of what God has given us. Amen. So let's go ahead and pray for our tithes and our offerings now. Father, we thank you so much, God, that we in this country are blessed beyond measure. God, the fact that we have a, a roof over our heads, God, and that we have um, just all the many luxuries that we have. God, I pray that we wouldn't take it for granted. Lord, that we would use our resources wisely. God, that we would use them to spread the word of what you did for us, to spread the gospel, the good news that your son came and died for us, Father. We thank you so much, Lord. I pray that you would um, just touch the hearts of each and every one of us in this room, God, as you've asked us to be faithful to you and to be obedient to you and giving back that 10%, Lord. You said that you would open up the floodgates. And so, Father, we thank you so much again for the many blessings that you've already given us. And we pray that you would continue to further your kingdom through the blessings and the, the giving that we give today. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple little house cleaning items. Um, we will get more of the car decals. Uh, they all went, and I had a feeling that was going to happen, um, so I should have ordered more. Actually, anyways, that's a long story. But uh, we'll order some more, and if you've already gotten one and put it on your car, you can take another one and put it on your neighbor's car. <laughs> just, we'll get the word out that way. We'll just put them wherever, right? Just kind of, and anyways, um, Anyways, but uh, so we'll get some more of those, and I'm going to try to get maybe an in-between size, too, um, not just the two sizes. The other one is, um, you know, we're a smaller, smaller church, but we try to do as much as we can with kids' ministry and things, and we're so grateful for those who've stepped up. The, the uh, kids' zone is, I think, fully uh, staffed again. It's under the leadership of Mikey and Elise Valenzuela. They were doing a great job next door. woo And... Um, this morning we've got um, a, a brand new teacher next door. Susan Reebsommer is, is there. Um, you know, pray for her. Uh, she's teaching, and we've got a few other people who stepped. So that's awesome. Um, who does anyone like snack? Does like having a snack? I like having a snack. This coffee stuff. Um, we're looking for somebody who would actually head up that that part of the hospitality ministry. 
It's um, just somebody to make sure. It's pretty much staffed every week. There's somebody who brings the stuff, sets it up. But it's somebody who will coordinate that and be the person who would receive the call if they can't make it and, and be willing to you know, kind of make sure that, that happens if somebody gets sick. And also um, just make sure that we have the snacks. So if that's something that you could do, uh, please see myself um, or Jesse, either one. She's been doing it by default um, for, man, over a year now. Um, and so if that's, that's something you can do, it, it doesn't take a ton of, ton of work. It could even be done with like two people. You could, you could be one to say, hey, I'll do the shopping every, you know, whatever we need as long as somebody else does. So then somebody else could just tell a person what to buy. Um, so however you want to do that, if you want to be involved or if you also want to be on a Sunday morning, there's probably still one more slot and it's pretty easy. You make coffee, you set out the snacks. At the end, you, you clean it up. It's pretty easy. Who can do that, right? A lot of us. Amen. And uh, yeah, if you're a leader, I think you already got the, the text, but um, next Sunday, right after church, we're going to have a leadership meeting. If you're leading one of our ministries, one of our home groups, life groups, um, we're going to, right after service, we're going to just run next door into the kids' zone, and we're going to meet and pray uh, for the future of the Journey Church and what's happening and what God wants to do. Amen? I think that's all of them. All right. Let's get into the Word. What book are we in? <laughs> Okay, boy, they make good, they make good coffees next door. We are in the book of Mark. Okay, so here we go. A little quick overview, and let and here you get to, to pop up if you want. You can even turn on the, the camera mic so you can see and hear it. Uh, who wrote the book of Mark? John Mark. Okay, who was John Mark? Tell me a couple things about him. He was what? He was, he was not, not one, one of the apostles. apostles. Mm -hmm. Paul. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Paul. Paul Barnabas, right? Yeah, yeah flaked out on them. Okay. okay. Anything, Anything else, else we know about John Mark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He upset Paul. He flaked out on them. We, 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 yeah, we, a lot of scholars think the opposite, that Luke used Mark, that Mark was the, Mark was the earliest gospel written, and uh, who, he was related to somebody else, Barnabas. Right, so, so reconciliation was made, we, there's a lot to learn just in that. You know what? Let's 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 reconcile. There's reconciliation. Let's really look for that and and uh, and go for that. Um, and then uh, yeah, so he he's the nephew of Barnabas. Barnabas had a, a sweet spot for him, and like and he was discipled by Peter, and Peter referred to him even as a, as a son. And so his the information we're getting out of the Book of Mark is likely first is is likely Peter telling him what happened. And so he, he does uh, a great job for us. It's, it's the shortest gospel that we're going to, uh, that there is out of the four. Um, and is it the gospel of Mark? It's according to Mark. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Immediately, and if you've read chapter one, you're like, oh my gosh, you may never have noticed that until last week when I said it. As you're reading just chapter one, it's like immediately he's here and immediately he does this and immediately he does. 
And, and that kind of reminds there's an urgency in the gospel. There's an urgency um, in, in our life with Christ. So we're going to pick up Mark. Um, we're, we're not going to get very far. We're going to just talk a little bit about, um, well, let's read it. We're going to start in Mark chapter 1, um, uh, starting in verse, actually, I w- I, let's go back a little bit. Let's go to 6. Um, we kind of covered that a little bit last week. Father, as we go into this this morning, pray that you would bless our time. O- open up our, our, our minds, open up our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, open up our heart. God, I pray that even in today, as we cover different parts of the, this uh, chapter 1, that you would speak individually to people. God, the message that you want them to hear. Pray that we would hear anything and everything that you want us to hear as individuals and also as the body of Christ and the body here at the Journey Church. Um, We desire to be pleasing to you and to follow you, God. Bless this time in the Word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 1, verse 6, talking about John the Baptist. Uh, Now, John was clothed with camel's hair, wore a leather belt around his waist, and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now stop there, and then we'll pick up in nine in a second. So John the Baptist, he was, I talked about this last week, some people refer to him as the last Old Testament prophet because he came proclaiming the coming Messiah. So he came proclaiming that the Christ would come, and he says, one's coming after me. He's greater than me. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandal straps. Yet the people were coming out to see John the Baptist as he was preaching, as he was teaching in the wilderness, and they were getting baptized by him. Um, I mean, talk about humility, though, when he says, after me comes one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Anything about that? Can you imagine? Go, you know, I'm not even worthy to, 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 to go up and untie Pastor Rob's shoes. I mean, the, the idea that that's pretty humble. Like, man, I'm not worthy. But when, you, when we look at Jesus, when we look at the Messiah, we go, man, we are not worthy. One of the church we have to be careful of in, 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 in today's day is as we've gone through seasons of the church um we've we've gone through times of holiness and repentance we have been in this time of of relationship grace and friendship with god for so long that it's easy to take the pendulum swing where maybe we leaned on uh, legalism in the past and and holiness to a fault there was there's been movements over the times that people uh you couldn't even play cards you couldn't play go fish There's people that I know that could not play the game Go Fish because you had to play that game with a deck of cards and cards were of the devil. Now, some of you are shaking your head and some of you are going, are you serious? Yeah, I mean, we were were there. Um, You know, forget movies, you know, movies, um, dancing, anything like that. There was just this, this whole thing. Even though David danced, you couldn't dance in for Jesus. You couldn't you couldn't dance. Um, I, you know, I think if you move too much, I don't know what would happen. Um, I, I knew some people who came out of that movement that when I was an associate pastor at another church, and, and these, this, these people loved Jesus with all their heart, but they had come out of the holiness 
Pentecostal holiness movement, we were going to show the passion of the Christ as an outreach in our community. If you've never seen it, it's it's powerful movie. It's it's amazing depiction of what Christ went through. And this blessed saint, and, and I don't put him down at, at all. He's, he's now with Jesus, but he had been indoctrinated in that and had been out of it a long time, but he came to me and he said, we cannot watch the movie with you. And he wasn't trying to be mean. He says, I just want to let you know, we won't be there. We can't watch the passion at the church because the passion of the Christ was a movie. And we were playing the movie in the church. Okay. That was a, there was a, there's been movements that have, that were over here. Now, now we are in a place now as a lot, a lot of people are in a place that we've done a pendulum swing over here and we've walked so far away from that, that God is my homie and we, we lose respect um, for God. We lose understanding that he is holy and I am not worthy to untie his sandal straps right? We, we, you don't hear that much from Christians of today, that humility and understanding. Now, it, it's, it's, it goes a lot, but see, we can, again, go too far with that. It's, I call it worm theology. You know, oh, I'm such a worm. You know, uh, just step on me, God, and watch me squirm type of thing. <laughs> Compared to him, he is holy, and we are that unholy, but yet he loves us. So we've got to find the balance but, but John had this understanding, like, this man, this Messiah who's coming is going to be so great. And I, I can't wait to get to heaven. I don't think John knew it was his cousin. I don't think he knew yet. I think it was revealed to him at some point, right about where we're about to see, that all of a sudden the lights came on, and maybe he always just thought Jesus was weird or something, but I don't think he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He might have. We're going to find out someday when we go to heaven. But... So here, John the Baptist was proclaiming the Messiah of Israel, the, the, save, the one who's, who's going to be anointed. And remember, every king, every king in Israel was anointed. To some degree, every king then was a Messiah, because Messiah means anointed one, that had come before. They were looking for the next new anointed one who was going to surpass all the other kings anointed one of Israel. And so, so John was proclaiming this. He was baptizing. Um, and we, we know that from, from other books, and we're going we're gonna to turn over to, uh, to Matthew in just a second, that John was baptizing people, and he had a baptism of repentance, and, you know, belief and repentance, remission of sins. That's what he was out in the wilderness doing. Okay, so, so here's John. I baptized you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And, and this is, we're going to get into this in depth, quite in depth today, this whole thing of baptism, baptism by water. We're going to touch a little bit on the baptism of the Spirit. That's going to come a little bit more uh, in the weeks to come. Verse, back to the Scriptures, verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Okay, that's all it says. We're going to pick up in, in, in Matthew in a second. When he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the dis, uh, Spirit descending on him like a dove. A voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Now, Mark is just, he's going really fast. Again, he's talking about some events. He's missing some things. He's not talking about things. Not saying he missed them. You know, he wasn't supposed to write them down. Matthew was. 
but he's not talking about some things that can be important. So go with me to Matthew chapter 3. Okay, this is um, the other part, a little bit more details of that same picture. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. And so when you're reading the Gospels, you come upon a story, feel free to go look at Matthew's account or Luke's account or John's account. Um, the three Matthew, Mark, Luke, they're called the Synoptic Gospels. They have a lot of similar similarities. Um, John's a little bit different. It uh, doesn't track quite the same. In verse, um, let's go to 11. John says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he is coming after me as mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This is, this is an interesting scripture here. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. I'm not going to go very deep in this, but I just when I read this, I always think, we have a picture of somebody, some spiritual person who has a pitchfork. Who is that? Aquaman. It's the, yeah, the Aquaman. That is awesome. <laughs> And some of you ladies like it. He's an angel. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you. That was awesome. We think of the devil as having a pitchfork. You know, nowhere in the Bible does it talk about the devil having a pitchfork, but it does talk about Jesus having one. Interesting. Interesting. And, and because he's going to divide. You know, there, there's, a, there's a part of God that we don't always like. You know, he's... He's going to separate the wheat and the chaff, okay? Um, anyways, it's just an interesting thing. This, as far as I know, that's, I mean, like, I don't know where the devil got a pitchfork. He stole it from Jesus. We gave it to him, and, and it's not the devil's. Jesus has it, and, and it's, a, it's a good symbol for us to go, yeah, he's separ- there's a time he's going to separate things out. We, we don't just get to, get to say we're homies with Jesus and go to heaven because we said it. Okay, let's move on. Then Jesus came again, Matthew chapter 3, from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized but you, and do you come to me? That's not in Mark. And Jesus said to him, Let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. And it goes on, same thing. And Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. Behold, the heavens were open. He saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. Okay. So it's, it's the same thing, but it's adding the part when Jesus comes to John and says, I need to be baptized. You, John says, What? No, no, no. I, I know who you are now. I, I should be baptized by you. And Jesus says, no, we need, this to, we need to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Now, I, I'm, I'm sharing this with you because I've read this before and I've done a little bit of studying on it, but this week I really hammered this. And I tell you, it is a really interesting uh, idea and topic and there is not agreement on what exactly Jesus was talking about. And, and the reason why is there's a whole bunch of things that are all true that he could have been referring to. So I'm going to name a number of them. They're all true. Why Jesus was saying specifically that, it, that, that John baptizing Jesus was going to fulfill righteousness is in one of these types of, of, of arguments. Because, you know, well, what kind of righteousness are we fulfilling? 
So I thought, let's talk about some of these things because Jesus getting baptized by John, there's a lot of, of depth in that. So most of we're going to spend our time this morning. Okay? John's baptism was a baptism of repentance from sin. Right? Did Jesus need to repent from sin? So, so I don't know if you've ever had a problem. I'm like, why was he getting baptized? Jesus didn't need to repent from sin. And, and so we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that. Uh, we, I am not going to tell you what the actual answer for sure of why, what it is, but you'll come across with a number of background information and understand the times and some of the things that Jesus was doing that are going to lead us closer to him. Okay. So at least that's my prayer, is that we'll, we'll learn a little bit about, about the time. So let's talk a little bit about baptism. Baptism is not an entirely New Testament thing. We, we don't see the word baptism in the Old Testament. We see John baptizing, and then we see the Christian baptism. And you'll even hear teachings that, you know, it's just a Christian baptism. But the idea of baptism in the Greek, baptizo, um, I forget the, the Hebrew word, but it, it means to dip entirely under the water. And there's some connotations, especially in the Hebrew version of the word, that means it was to cleanse, to purify. And they were doing this in the time of Jesus, before Jesus, so we'll say in the time of John, in the time all the way from the beginning at some point, all the way up until even the birth of Jesus, they were doing baptisms. There was something called a mikvah. I don't know if you ever heard of a mikvah. A mikvah is a Jewish bath or a cleansing place. And, you know, like a lot of things in Judaism, God said things in the Old Testament, and then the people tried to figure it out, just like we do. What, what is he wanting? And, and we, he built, we would build stuff around it. So God talked about cleansing, that, that he gave uh, the, the rites of purification and cleansing in the Old Testament. When a woman would have her menstrual cycle, she had to then bathe. Well, they weren't actually talking about a physical bath. They were talking about a mikvah. A spiritual bath. It was it was it was water, but it wasn't just about getting the dirt off. It was actually about being purified from unrighteousness. And so when uh, when when Moses and Aaron were, Aaron were appointing Aaron and his sons to the priesthood, they cleansed them with water. Now the word mikvah uh, is understood in the in in Judaism as a place of living water. It's not just a bathtub. In fact, today. Orthodox Jews and Hasidic Jews, they, they will, um, even sometimes they'll have them in their homes of very Orthodox. They might have, they'll have a, uh, it's apparently, I've, I haven't seen this, but from what I've read, they'll have their, their bath, their pool, their mikvah, and it'll be run by tap water, but it'll be connected through a pipe that is outside where there's a pool of fresh water that comes from rain. And it has to touch. This is just a little extra, extra knowledge for us. This living water, it's, it's, it's real water from a stream. And so in the, in the Old Testament, in the early days, they didn't necessarily build a mikvah. They would go to a stream or a river would be a bathing place, but they would do a purifying, a spiritual bath in the water. 
Now, here's the thing. If you are going to be uh, cleansed spiritually from your impurities of your menstrual cycle or from having a baby or from, a, from a, when a man would have a, you know, a release of semen, all these wonderful things you're reading and out of your register things to your kids, and you're like, oh, let's pass that one. I don't know what to talk about. But they, they'd have to be clean. Well, they would take a, a real bath or shower first, and then they would go into the mikvah. The mikvah wasn't about cleaning the dirt off of them. It was about being spiritually clean. Okay? This, they, I'm saying this because the idea of getting baptized, going into the water, is not new to the Jews. So when, when John was baptizing for repentance of sins, there's an idea and understanding that they get, I am being spiritually cleansed. And it would go on even deeper to say, I am making a choice to repent and follow God with my whole life, my whole heart, thinking of the high priest who would get cleansed in the, in the purifying waters. Okay, so this is not foreign to the Jews at this, at this time. So Mark is doing that. Now, Jesus comes and he says, you, you, should, you should baptize me as well. And I think for John, he's like, I don't get it. You are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, you have no sin, you don't need to be purified. I don't, I don't get it. He says, well, we're well, going to do it to, purify, for, to fulfill righteousness. So, so we're still okay. So what is that? There's a number of things. That it, it, it can be and it is. Specifically, again, can't wait to get to heaven. We'll find out more specifically. There's a few things that John baptizing towards repentance. You know, Jesus came as a man, as well as God. This is the confusing part with, with Jesus. So if he came as a man, he needed, to, um, he needed the people to understand and relate with him. So he, he comes, and he becomes obedient to the Father by being baptized, saying, I am all in as well. I am I'm getting cleansed. He didn't need to be, but I'm in. I am... I am in a sense, there's a part of this going, he's about to become the high priest. Moses cleansed the high priest in the mikvah. So there's a whole bunch of spiritual things that are beginning to ha happen right in this little, little moment that we've just passed on. We go, okay. Jesus is saying, I will obey the Father in whatever. And he's going to do that later again, multiple times. What did he say? I only do what I see the Father doing. In the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, uh, Gail was talking about, he says, you know, if there's another way, take this cup from me, but not my will, yours be done. Jesus, the Son of God, God, the Son of God, the man, the seed of, of, of Adam, is also obedient to God. He's going to fulfill all righteousness. He's going to show the people that he's also fulfilling righteousness in this way. And so... We have this anointing happening. We have, and, and, and interesting, one of the things that I was picking up in this is I'm like, John, John the Baptist is of the house of Levi, the priestly line. Jesus comes not in the priestly line. He comes from the line of Judah. And, and yet John, as, as the priestly line, is kind of like anointing and, and baptizing Jesus, I think part of this is the high priest idea. He is going to be the high 
priest, and he is. He's our high priest. He takes away our sin. And so all this is happening in this little, little bit of time, and I think part is, a big part is Jesus going, I am obedient to God. And what's, what's the thing that happens next? It says he gets baptized to fulfill all righteousness. And we came, when he came up out of the water, here's the word, immediately, he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son with you. I'm all pleased. Before I get, get into this, I, I forgot a little part of, of this whole mikvah thing. Um, if you keep your hand in Mark and you want, you don't have to, but go to Jeremiah chapter 17. Mikvah. It's a bath. It's living water. It's a place to be purified and cleansed. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 13, in the Hebrew, the word mikvah appears, but it's never translated as baptism or bath or purity or cleansing. If you're there, I'll read it. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from for they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. Now, they use, it's a, it's a wordplay, but they actually use mikvah in, O Lord, the mikvah of Israel. And it's the hope. I just think that's really cool. See, that idea of cleansing, of baptism, being the hope of Israel, and Jesus saying to John, I have to be baptized in the mikvah by you because he is the hope, the cleansing of the world. I just think, man, that's, I just love, I love the hidden things in the word that we just go, oh. And he is the fountain of living water. Remember, mikvahs, they have to be alive. They're not just a bath. They always had to have water in and out or come from, from nature. So, back into Mark. Jesus is baptized. The spiritual implications I still don't get. I mean, I just, he didn't need to be baptized, but, but there's just this beginning to see there was so much going on. And, and I think even for the Jews, those in the time could probably understand it even, even a little bit better. John baptizes Jesus. He's cleansed. It's, repentance isn't just about um, turning from sin. It's also turning to God. So this is the declaration. God is that Jesus is following the Father wholeheartedly. When we do a baptism, Christian baptism, it's one of the things I talk about. I said, Baptism is, is about you dying to self. You, you're dead. You no longer live. When you come out of the waters of baptism, you're coming alive to a new world, a new way of thinking, a new life. That's what we talk about Christian baptism. In, in the same way, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he was never dead. I don't want you to hear that. But he's making that statement. It's time to follow completely. In other words, it's time to start my ministry. It's first the beginning of his ministry. And he's going to show us 
how to follow the Father. Now, this next part is some really cool stuff. He comes out of the water, the heavens being torn open, the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven, you are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. So, so where to start? There's so much happening right here. I'm going to start at the bottom. Remember, he's part of the baptism is fulfilling righteousness, obeying God. And now the first thing God says is says, I'm well pleased. He's just showing his relationship to the son. I am well pleased. Love you. This is my son. Beloved son, I'm well pleased. But, but there's a couple things we want to look at what's happening here. The heavens are open. Part of the understanding of that is that there's nothing now separating us from God. The heavens are open. Jesus is making the heavens open so we have access. He has access with the Father. And through his life, ministry, and death and resurrection, he's going to show us that we also have an open heaven. I've heard people talk about their prayer life sometimes, saying, I, I was praying and I felt like the heavens were closed. You ever say that to yourself or feel that way? I felt like the heavens were closed to me. In other words, I didn't feel like my prayers were getting through. And I'm not saying they weren't getting through, but there's this understanding the heavens needed to be open so we could have access to God. Well, church, they are. They are open to us to pray directly to the Father. And that is, that is powerful. I mean, that's much better than the bat line that you can pick up and get Batman. You know, you think about those movies like, oh man, you have the, or you know, some of those great movies in the olden days, you, you pick up a line, you had the, the, the line to the White House. You could, you know, somebody important, you just, just pick it up. I don't know if you've ever been given somebody's phone number who is like kind of important, and they're like, I don't give my phone number out to people, but you can have it. I know, I, that's happened a couple of times. I'm like, wow, I've got their phone number. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's, you've got to be careful not to be a name dropper. I, sometimes I fall into that, like I meet someone, and someone, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know them, and you start dropping their name. You know, yeah, I, I can call them. Oh, do you need to get a hold of them? I'll call them for you. I got their number. <laughs> Guys, I've got a direct line to Almighty God. I mean, that's I, there's a little perspective. I'm trying to get that understanding. If there's ever a time in your life you were the same, I'm like, we have the direct line to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and the creator of everything. The heavens opened. What else is happening here? The spirit descends on him like a dove. Well, a dove represents hope. One of the things, it represents the Holy Spirit, but it also represents hope. In, in, uh, uh, in Noah's Ark, you know, they sent out the dove. Dove comes back. Some, 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 you know, the, the fresh olive branches. That's hope. As the Spirit descends like a dove, one of the things it's saying is there's hope. There's hope on Jesus. There's hope in Jesus. You know, right now, this, the, we're living in a world where there's a lot, a lot of fear. And, and we're losing, you know, a lot of people are losing hope. I tell you, last night was, was really good for me. You know, as, to worship God freely again in, in a place with so many people. And to lift up His name. Um, man, the enemy wants to bring fear. He wants to bring you and reel you with fear. And some of you, some of us, I've had it at times. You know, this last 15 months was a time of a lot of fear. And Jesus wants to come and be your hope. 
He says, listen, there's an open heaven between you and me. Between you, God, and, God and you, there's an open heaven, direct access. And the Spirit is descending on Jesus, showing that in Jesus there will be hope. Now, we can't get too far to the end because we've got a long way to go in the book of Mark, but we're going to find that Jesus fulfills all righteousness. He accomplishes everything he came to. And by doing that, that he changed everything that the Old Testament saints had to deal with compared to the way we have to deal with it. So the Spirit descends upon him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. There's one other thing I want to point out in this. This is a, this is a Trinity section. Okay, this is a Trinity you know, you, people talk about the Trinity all the time, and some people are like going, you know, but the word Trinity is not in the Bible. What is the Trinity? It's got the three in one. I don't always understand it. There's, there's, you know, there's God, and there's Jesus, and there's Casper the ghost. I don't know. <laughs> you know, where, where are they all together? Again, so one of the things that we work at, and I, I'm still working at this, is, is it's not God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. It's the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, or the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, because all of them are God, okay? So I, I'm really encouraging you, if you've done, a lot of us have, you know, we talk about the Trinity, we say, yeah, the God, Jesus, you know, God, and then there's Jesus, and there's the Spirit. No, it's God. And in God, he reveals himself in three distinct ways to us, in three separate people, not just forms, but separate people in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what's cool is this is one of those times we see all three at the same spot at the same time. Jesus is, is coming up out of the water. The heavens open. The Spirit descends on him like a dove. And from heaven, the voice of the Father says, This is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. So this is just one of those times when people say, I don't, you know, where's the Trinity thing in the Bible? I don't get it. Just take it to Mark and explain that. It's just good for us. Okay, there it is. It's all God. Because remember, we're going to get to the point where Jesus takes away sin. You can't do that unless you're God. So we'll say it for another time. And so here it is. I, um, I've, I've shared this before um, on, on the Trinity. There, there's places in nature that I think that, that the Trinity is revealed to us. People will say like clovers, and there's a lot of places, an egg. Um, there's a lot of, uh, of threes in nature that I think God is just putting threes in nature a lot to us, um, three things being one. One of them that I, for me, over the, over the years, um, and I felt like the Lord showed it to me, I'd never heard it before, actually, um, years ago, is H2O. H2O, not water. Because water is what? The liquid form of H2O, right? So water is water. H2O, water is H2O. Is H2O water? No. Because H2O is H2O. Dihydrogen oxide. Is that how you say it for all these science people? Look over at Allie. She's a you know, <laughs> nurse, right? Dihydrogen oxide. Water. What is another form of H2O? Ice. Okay, and steam, right? Th chemicals think they have three forms. Liquid, solid, gas. We're going to, a couple weeks ago we did history. Today we're doing science. Who created science, by the way? God. Right? We just discovered it. Oh, yeah, things have three forms. Liquid, solid, and gas. 
H2O has three forms, liquid, water, solid, ice, gas, steam. Cool. All there. H2O, one of three. Go heat up a pan. Go home, heat up a pan. Get it hot, sizzling hot. The type where you're like, oh man, I'm going to melt it. I mean, just where you, you get it really hot. Take an ice, a chunk of ice or an ice cube. Put it in that hot pan. All three exist at the exact same time, the exact same place for just a recent time. The ice is still there, but it's beginning to melt. But the pan is so hot that some of the water begins to evaporate into steam immediately, but it can't keep up and water begins to form, and you have a little pool of water, you have a chunk of ice, and you have steam all at the same time in the same place. When people say, I don't understand the Trinity, it just doesn't make any sense, it can't happen, God did it all over the place. It's okay. So that was a side note. That's extra. This is him saying, I'm a Trinitarian God. We are Trinitarians. We believe in, in this whole thing, and part of that's important because if Jesus wasn't God, then he didn't have the power to take away sin. You know, Jesus, when he leaves us at the end of Mark in Matthew, he says, I'm, gonna, I'm going to the Father, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, not just to be on you, but to be in you. And the Spirit of God is now in us. If, if the Spirit is not God, then we just have a spirit inside of us. But if the Spirit is God, we have God inside of us. I'd rather have God inside of me, right? So this is so important. This is just, so this, this, just, this first section just kind of does that. So, I hate being blind. Okay. Let's go to 12. And, and, and we're going to kind of do this quick and then kind of wrap a couple things up. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Now, this is cool. The Spirit's on him. He has made the declaration. His ministry has started. He is going to be the high priest. He is the Son of God. He's anointed. He's fulfilled righteousness. And the very next thing that happens, the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals. And the angels were ministering to him. Again, that's all we get. But you, you've read this before, and you're like, isn't there more to the story? And again, you find more in Matthew. And you, talk, and you find the temptation of Jesus coming. And Satan comes, and he tempts Jesus. Now, real quick. If, if Satan tempted him, that means that Jesus could have given in a temptation. If, if I held up... Uh, Let's see, what, what if liver and onions and said, okay, here it is. Here's a plate of liver and onions. Most of you would not be tempted. Some of you would be tempted. But I think most of you would be like, I am not tempted. I'm like, oh, man, just give me some more. No. You're only tempted if you want it. And it's something that's like, ooh, right? Jesus was tempted. There was something in his humanity, in his weakness, that as the devil came to him and tempts him three times, he tempts him with, with um, food. Hey, you're hungry. 40, day, 40 days. Uh, 40 minutes is hard sometimes for me. 40 days, no food. 
tempting him. He's hungry. And it says, and Jesus was hungry. Sometimes I want to write in my notes, no duh. <laughs> He's hungry. And he comes in. In his weakness, I've been weak. Jesus has felt weakness. He's felt temptation. And he tempts him. Hey, you could turn these rocks into bread. And Jesus knew he could. You know, how many times have you tried to fast or done something and you're like, if I eat that and put it back in such a way that nobody in the family knows that I did it, maybe I can get away with it. Kids do that all the time. He was tempted. He was tempted when he took him up to, to, throw, to the top and he says, throw yourself off. And, and the angels will, will protect you. He says, don't put the Lord your God to a test. He says, I can give you all the kingdoms of the world. Satan comes in and tempts him. And each time Jesus does something similar, he quotes the word. Man shall not live by bread alone. Matthew, this is Matthew's version because there's more in there. Matthew shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Throw yourself off of this. He will command his angels concerning you. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. This is now the devil using scriptures to Jesus. And Jesus says it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So remember, you, you, you can get tempted with the word of God to do the wrong thing. So you, you, you need to know the word. You need to know God. You need to know what his will for you is in the moment. That was not God's will for Jesus to command his angels concerning him. Don't, don't put the Lord your God to test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. This is chapter 4. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, You will worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. He was tempting him with temporal power and rule that gets really, really tempting for us at times too. You know, we get tempted in the very similar ways. You know, we, we, I don't want to pick on, on sins, but think about some ways, you know, the enemy comes in and says, you know, God will forgive you if you do this. And he might even say things like, because his grace is sufficient for you. And you're tempted to go ahead and sin because you know that his grace is sufficient for me. But would God have you do that in the moment? The answer is no. No, I shall not put the Lord my God to a test. I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, my strength. And God doesn't want me to do that. So we quote the word back to him. If you'll do this, you can get more money. If you cut these corners, if you don't pay your taxes, if you're a little unethical here, you'll be able to get that vehicle you want. Bible says, render under Caesar what is Caesar's. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an ethical, moral man. I'm not going to take cut, shortcuts. Pick yours. I'm not trying to pick on anyone in particular at all, but what is it that the, that the enemy comes in and he tempts you? Okay, so here, here's what Jesus, in these little section, we're close with this. We're seeing a couple of things. We're seeing Jesus being obedient to God in baptism and in following his will. This is, this is an example for us. We're supposed to be obedient to him. 
We follow him in the, in the waters of baptism. It's one of the things we teach about baptism. Why do you get baptized? Because Jesus said to be baptized. Jesus was baptized. It's an example to us. We understand that it's the representation of dying to self and following him. I'm going to be baptized. Do I understand all of the implications of baptism? I don't. I don't understand it exactly, but I know that I've seen some people get baptized and, and had an addiction and they come out of the waters and that addiction was broken like that. There was a spiritual thing happening. So we get baptized. The next thing is, what are we learning from this? Jesus was tempted. He's giving, showing us how we also deal with temptation. It's by the Word of God. You have to know the Word of God. It's, it's something so important for us as believers. We need to know the hope that's in the Word. We need to know the truth of the Word. We need to know what sin is. Paul says, the only reason I know about, about sin is because the law told me that was sin. He says, avoid those things. So we, we know that these aren't the things that God wants us to do. And so we say, no, God wants me to live this way. And the temptation comes in and says, you know, it sounds good, but it's not according to the word. And I'm going to know the word. I'm going to quote the word back and say, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to be obedient to him. And I'm going to use the word when I'm tempted. Now, I don't know about you. I get, I, I get tempted. You know, I give in more than I, I, I wish. You were all tempted. Jesus said he was tempted in, in all ways and yet was without sin. He understands temptation. That's crazy. He understands temptation. Sometimes I see people, I've, I've heard conversations, and, and people will assume a person who is fit and, and looks like they've never had a piece of chocolate cake in their life. I mean, yeah, I've ever seen this conversation happen. They're just, they're just like this example of just like, wow. No fat. They do. They and, and and I've actually heard people say, "Well, you know, yeah, it's easy for you. You don't. You know, you don't even want chocolate cake." What we have an assumption that they've never been tempted in their life. When honestly, that's probably not the case. The, honestly, what it is is they chose to not eat it. They chose to be healthy, and we just want to say, "Oh, you don't even understand me." And they're man, no, they do. You know, I I grew up. Uh, when I when I first became a Christian, I was I was sold out for Jesus, and my friends who were mostly Christians weren't always as sold out for Jesus as me, and they would go and sin, or they would just go do things that sin might happen. A trip to the river for the weekend when you're when you're a teenager and there's guys and girls going and nobody's married. You're like, is that a sin? Not necessarily. And I would go, God, can I go? And he would say, no. Others may. You may not. Sometimes he calls us. That was just me. That was me. But he calls us. And I, I, I had to I follow him in obedience. Did I always do it? I didn't. found myself in, in bad situations. I found myself right up here at, off a of green spot partying like crazy one night uh, and some people showed up who weren't Christian. I was actually partying with some other Christians and we're and and, and I am I, I'm, I'm I'm pretty pretty toasted I, not toasted so far toasted. I still have a little bit of wits in my mind and this guy's there and he's drunk but he's having a bad day and so I witness to him about Jesus in my drunken stupor you know, I mean, I, 
uh, there was something still in me that, that wanted to serve Jesus, but I, I felt, you know, that, was there grace for me? Sure. There's grace. But we want to follow him wholeheartedly. Whatever he's calling you to do, do it. Fulfill that righteousness. I'm in God. And when the temptation comes to do something else, know the word, read the word, quote the word, understand the word. This is not what he has for me. Praise God, we all have people we can go to if you're, if you're concerned. Hey, I was, I was wondering, what do you think the Lord says about the situation I'm going in? Find, a, find somebody who's known Jesus longer than you, who follows him, and, and then let, let them help you. Say, so, you know, I just don't think that's what the Lord would have for you. And, and here's why, and they show you the scriptures. Let's fight the temptation to live like the world. Fight the temptation to get pulled out of the things of Christ by quoting the word just like Jesus did. And by being like Jesus, fulfilling that righteousness side of, I'm in. I repent from my sins. He didn't have sins, but we repent from our sins. And we cling to you. And we say, we've been cleansed in the mikvah. We're spiritually pure. We're righteous because of Jesus is the living water that cleansed us. And follow him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you, Jesus, is the living water. He is the the mikvah, the hope of Israel. He's my hope. He's the one who cleanses me spiritually. Thank you that we are forgiven of our sin. And this morning we want to recommit freshly to follow. Follow in the footsteps of Jesus. To, to let the cleansing of the water Wash us. Let the cleansing of the washing of the water of the word cleanse us so that we could also uh, face temptation the same way Jesus did, by quoting the word, by clinging to Jesus, by clinging to God. Bless us. Strengthen us for the days ahead and for this week. We thank you for the hope that is in Christ, the life and the joy that's in Christ. Uh, keep us focused upon you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if anyone needs prayer, please come. And there's people who will come up and pray with you.